0: When you think about it, it's like you pick a job for your life when you're 17, you know, 16, 17, 18. And then you're that's that's it. You're stuck on that path. Very
1: rarely do you get that opportunity to reflect and really think about it and be like, do I actually like doing this? I'm Serena Francis and welcome to Messy Round the Edges. In this podcast, we will discuss when life doesn't quite go to plan the tough decisions you have to make when faced with various challenges that ultimately lead us to a more fulfilling life. So we are here for another episode of Messy Round the Edges, with the lovely Pamela Miller, who is the founder of Content Clarity, which is a business which focuses on marketing and content strategies. Welcome to the show, Pamela. Hello, thank you so much for having me here. More than welcome. Tell us a little bit about you before we go into all things content and marketing. Yeah, so uh, I'm Pamela and I live up
0: in the northeast of Scotland, um, a place called Aberdeen. I have worked in marketing for over 15 years. I've got two businesses, two
1: kids. <laughs> not, not juggling a lot then? No, not really. <laughs> So how did you start? And more importantly, why did you start your own business? Because as you said, you've been in the business for 15 years. Yeah. And I'm sure you've worked with, just kind of looking at your bio, you've worked with a lot of companies.
0: Yes, I have. I am a complete and utter marketing geek. It's something that I have been obsessed with since I think it was like a teenager. I was obsessed with TV commercials and I've just been obsessed ever since. Um, so I graduated uni straight into corporate, as you do. Yeah. um and and worked there and would have continued working there had it not been for getting made redundant when I was eight and a half months pregnant <laughs> wow.
1: that's yeah quite a common thing doesn't it you know mm. when made redundant you're yes. kind of at a stage in your life where you're like and and you know about to start a family a lot of people are like shall I go and do what I've always wanted to do or should I play it safe and just go and get that monthly salary?
0: Yeah. And of course, who's going to hire an eight-month pregnant person, right? Nobody. <laughs> and it was our second child. So it was like I'd already done it once and I'd already known. And I'd consciously, um, there's a four-year age gap, I'd consciously positioned myself in a really good salary the company that I knew was going to be fine with like flexible working and things like yeah. that. So I positioned myself purposely very well. And then um, being in Aberdeen, it was an oil and gas company. The downturn in 2015, I think it was. So I got hit with that, and I knew instantly. I was like, I don't want to go back. Even when I'm out with um, maternity leave and things like that, I was like, I don't want to go back turning to five and work five days a week. I'm not going to find, you know, a flexible job three days a week. I mean, it's I don't live in London. You know, there's not that much. Uh, right. choice up here. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to find what I wanted in terms of giving me the lifestyle that I wanted as a, as a mum. And so I investigated doing things for myself, you know, maybe being a freelancer, maybe, you know, that sort of thing. Terrified. The idea of starting a company, obviously terrifying. Um, worked for somebody else, like freelance for somebody else who'd started their company. And just that insight was enough to make me sort of realise that my fear wasn't justified, that it wasn't that scary and I could totally do this on my own. Um, and so my first company was was born and um, I was very lucky that very quickly through my network of contacts, I was already at my income ceiling. I could manage myself in that company because it's, you know, as an agency, time for money. And I kind of hit that point of, okay now what <laughs> now I'm gonna have to maybe hire people or you know where's
1: the rule book what do I do next you know <laughs> there is really no rule book at, you know on starting your own business taking it back a little bit I'm really interested to know um you mentioned that you've always been interested in marketing and yes. in adverts that got you what was like what advert can you remember seeing that you were like wow this world of advertising is really interesting I
0: specifically and it's weird when I hear songs I'm like that was on the coca-cola advert that was on you know the ford focus advert or you know whatever it was and I always always you know remember and associate obviously coca-cola right is sort of the most obvious one that everyone can remember is it can't get the feeling or something like that was one of the ads yeah. that was like when I was young <laughs>
1: It's so clever, isn't it? Advertising is just so clever, like how it can capture us from a psychological perspective. And we, we don't even realize that we're kind of being yeah. hooked into the, the brand and the world of lifestyle. What was the first company you
0: started? So ironically, um... I was a bit of a car geek as well Um my dad had a car garage and my brother went into servicing and repairing cars as well and my first job was marketing for Volkswagen. So, <laughs> <Wow.
1: Okay.
0: laughs> so yeah straight, straight into the sort of whole car industry and it was great, it was great to work with a big brand like that because you know you were exposed to like you know not just small business marketing corporate marketing like international you know it was it was really
1: it was so fascinating and what were some of the kind of very fundamental messages um when it came to marketing big car giants like like Volkswagen I mean they was obviously it was it very masculine
0: yeah so it was it was quite fascinating In as much as obviously if you think of any car manufacturer right they all have more than one model right which basically means they have more than one target market and it was always really fascinating that it was like you know the small car is for the sort of like you know 18 to 24 year old you know teenager or whatever you know and then it's like you know you get the, the mom and dad cars and that sort of thing so it was always really fascinating to see how the different products were marketed differently and um, depending upon who the target market was. But not only that, with Volkswagen being owned, you know, or with Volkswagen owning Audi, Seat and Skoda and and Porsche as well, believe it or not, you got to see that not only were they doing that, but they were actually taking that same model and doing it for the different, like, Ethos, almost in a way. So it was like you know, people who desired, you know, had that desirability to drive something like an Audi or whatever, you know, and positioned a it different. It's the same car and they charging more for it. And people are like, yeah, because they they fell for the brand, they fell for the positioning, the messaging, and and it was amazing to see that happen. And it was you know, you would never think that you could do that.
1: Actually, <laughs> the word there that I'm quite interested in, you mentioned the word desire. Mm. is marketing um and not for everything but uh, are we marketed based on our personal desire so instead so when I say that for example when you're marketing a car are you marketing the car and everything it can do for you or are you marketing the desire of wanting the car and potentially everything it could bring to your life yeah so you're painting the picture aren't you of what
0: what people are going to think how amazing they think that you're doing in your life because you're driving that or you know it's it's no different to like things like apple and you know a brew dog i don't know how well people know that company it's like you know you you get like you know cheap pint beers and then you get brew dog beers and it's it's just that it's again it's that positioning but it's not just like coming up with it and putting a price on it and charging more it's painting a completely different picture and hitting a completely different audience based on what they want what they desire to be positioned as how they see themselves how they want other people to see them and it's just it's i find it fascinating
1: <laughs> what is the most popular form of advertising right now i mean obviously online has
0: just skyrocketed um especially with lockdown as well Um, you know you just know straight away something that I've seen in the UK is that you know when you see the the um the TV stations advertising to advertise with them you know advertising the ability don't you want to advertise your business on TV and it's like you've never had to do that before right because you're obviously losing business right (laughs) and throwing money at it you know we'll give you a grant we'll give you this it's like Mm, That just kind of goes to show that that sort of old fashioned, like you've made it when you can afford to advertise on TV and radio. That's very archaic. That's very like, you know, maybe 50 plus kind of age group people that would see TV and radio like that. And that this new sort of Gen Z millennial kind of demographic that are coming in as the decision makers, they're not even
1: considering that as an option. Online is where it's at. Is that why so many brands now that would have said no to advertising on TikTok, for example, uh, like running to advertise their brands on tiktok like two years ago yeah. I, i'm imag- i'm imagining you know established brands were like no tiktok is not the right demographic for us it's too young that's for kind of like the 15 year old teenager and now it seems like even luxury brands like all different types of brands are running to advertise on tiktok
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be where your audience are. And you've also got to recognise if that shifts and that changes. You know, were they right to say no to it in the first place? Absolutely. If it was just full of teenagers and that's not who they're trying to reach, of course, say no to it. But obviously lockdown, you know, everyone's bored. What can we do? And all of a sudden the demographic completely flipped and completely changed. Um, So, yeah, of course, go for it. And especially with the recent changes to Facebook ads and things like that, it's opening up the possibility of, of different platforms and getting better reach for your money.
1: It, it, it felt, um, it was quite funny actually, because um, my son who is nine has a TikTok account, but on my phone. So I see exactly what he's doing. Um, otherwise, oh my goodness, I don't know what he would, be, he would be doing on TikTok. But what's really interesting is when he's showing me videos, you've got kind of like you know, especially during the pandemic, doctors and nurses doing kind of, you know, music videos. And it's just the demographic has completely changed on TikTok to how it used to be mums and dads. It, it just seems like TikTok now, where, whereas it used to be a younger generation, it yeah. seems like now TikTok is just for everybody, regardless of the age. I thought it was
0: actually fascinating that they advertised on TV during lockdown they obviously realized that through word of mouth alone they were getting spread but it they knew that they could amplify that if they just you know and they knew that to get that older audience tv was the right place to go right. <laughs> so i find that fascinating because when, when have you ever seen twitter you know
1: advertise on tv or seen linkedin do it but yeah no, know it was fascinating But is it not confusing to always, especially let's talk about small businesses who may not have the facilities to kind of throw money into these different social media platforms as a small business, you know, you might go, right, okay, I'm going to invest in Facebook. Okay, my demographic is moving from Facebook. Okay, I'm going to invest in Instagram. All right, my demographic is moving from Instagram. Is it not just hiring kind of always keep up with the next biggest thing in terms of social media social media can be
0: really fast paced it was great when it was like you know the big four and it was fairly sturdy and obviously we've seen in the last sort of 12 24 months and even longer than that you know with snapchat coming on board you know clubhouse tiktok there was another one in between there i can't remember the name of and some of them take off and some of them don't and you know, everybody has that desire to rush to be the, the first big person, you know, because we all think we missed the boat with Instagram. It's hard to crack it now. Or we missed the boat with LinkedIn. It's hard to crack it. We could just be the first, right? you know, like Zoella did with um, YouTube. You know, it's like, well, we love to go, go back in time and be the first. But at the same time, it's like, stick to where your audience at. Like this whole like shift to TikTok. I love TikTok. Personally, I love TikTok but I know that my audience and my ability to grow my audience as a small business, I still is Instagram and still has a place there. I know that there's loads of people on TikTok saying like Instagram's dead and they're making too many changes and they're making it too hard. They might be doing that, but it's still quite easier for me to reach my audience on Instagram than it is to shift to TikTok. Sure. I'll repurpose my content from one to the other, but you know, I always say pick one, pick one platform and make, yeah. like own it basically and just do it really really well people get tripped up so easily if they try to spin far too many plates because it can get confusing if you're trying to keep up with especially fast paced ones like Twitter, TikTok and Instagram. It's like <laughs>
1: for anybody that's listening that is about to start an online business or currently has an online business and is a little bit kind of fatigued in the sense of, you know, they're not sure what content to produce, they're not sure how to grow their audience. Like, how did you start your business in terms of growing that audience and growing that awareness? What were some of your first steps to do that?
0: Identify a platform where you know your audience are a lot of people will trip themselves up over this because they might find that they're in more than one place but ultimately Mm -hmm. pick yeah pick the one that you know that you can do well at right so and I love Instagram because there's so many different uh, abilities different content types you've know, you got like Instagram TV you've got live stories feed posts you know and obviously reels now as well so I love it right there's like a wee, wee bit of something for everyone but if you prefer Twitter and you're more engaged on that and you think that you're going to enjoy that more then do that one right if people are in more than one place that's fine pick the one that, that rings true to you that you think you can do well at And um, try and loads of people say this right but try and kind of get people to sign up to an email list because as you've already said social media have been quite fast paced and platforms popping up everywhere. If you can get people subscribed to an email list of yours, it just means that, you know, whatever the algorithm's doing, whether there's a new platform pops up, you've, you know, you own it. It belongs to you, so to speak. Um, So I always recommend that you you think about as well, trying to get those people who you're just engaging with on social media, try and get them into something. And, you know, we're well versed in the sort of concept of getting people to sign up for a freebie but go a bit of a step beyond if in your industry everybody's given a free download ebook or a free download checklist or whatever it might be go a step further give a free masterclass. you know give a free workshop give a free something else you know something that shows that you're given more value than the norm that will get you that standout and then at least then you're getting the sign up and you're you're qualifying them as well as is
1: interested in you. So think outside the box, basically. Absolutely. Go
0: go that one extra step all the time.
1: PR companies were at the forefront of making um, adverts for, you know, whether it be Coca-Cola, Nike, you know, um, Adidas. Do you think PR companies are going to eventually become irrelevant because of social media? Or do you think you're always going to need a PR company?
0: It is one of those sort of like archaic things and marketing and PR used to be completely different, but the lines are starting to get more and more blurred, especially with social media and influencers and things like that, because you'll find PR companies now doing marketing, marketing companies now doing PR. When it comes to sort of traditional PR, as I call it, you know, crisis communications, like say like BP or Shell has an oil spill. And it's like all over the news, you know, or like the the Suez Canal or something like that. Like, oh, I don't want to deal with the TV companies and the news stations, that sort of stuff, you know, you're obviously going to need a PR company for. But there's still a place because what you'll see as well happening is, you know, this sort of like one PR company, we do everything, you know, we'll build your website, do your PR, do your marketing, do your social media, it doesn't matter what industry you're in is kind of dying off and you'll see that people are niching so much down there's actually a company in edinburgh they only do pr and marketing for food companies that's it or whiskey companies and that's it you know and so you're getting this fantastic niche and it's in word of mouth again it's great for them because it's like they become the go-to company you know if you're if you're launching a whiskey you have to use them right that is where I see the direction going, you know, these companies
1: really niching down, which makes them far more accessible then to smaller companies as well. And becoming more specialised in an area. Yes, which and of it, course, right? You're going to want that. Uh, with the with the rise of influences over the last 10 years, wow. Um, you can go into a TV show like Love Island and and be essentially kind of, you know, no one really know who you are, And then you can come out of a show like that and have a million followers and become an instant influencer. Do you see this trend just continuing? Yeah, I mean, it's
0: it's funny because I I guess I used to be an influencer. I had a lifestyle blog, YouTube channel uh, called Scottish Family Living. I don't do it anymore. It is still live, but I don't actively do it anymore. Um, And I would have big brands reach out to me like Sainsbury's and and BMW, you know, go and drive this car and go go on this holiday and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's great to see. But it has kind of shifted away from it just being celebrities to it being anybody who has an audience. doesn't matter what you do, you know, um, where you've come from. You don't have to necessarily be a celebrity and you know as long as you've got following behind you who know like and trust you uh you know micro influencer people will want to work with you you can just be successful on tiktok and people will want to work with you or just be successful on instagram and people will want to work with you and the beauty as well with social media is a lot of the time especially these smaller influencers is that getting in touch with them is so much easier than ever before you know like go for a celebrity you have to go through like their agent and all this sort of stuff you know whereas you can quite easily message some of these smaller niche influencers and get a far better uh (laughs) conversion because their engagement rate sometimes burn again a lot of people get pie eyed for the number of followers but actually you know it's the engagement rate that really matters
1: right right so it's not the followers it's the engagement rate yeah interesting okay what are some of the biggest marketing mistakes that you see the smaller businesses doing oh a
0: couple if I could mention well I've already sort of touched on the whole idea of you know trying to be everywhere trying to be on all the platforms and you know over committing themselves and um, chipping themselves up not being able to be consistent finding it too difficult and then giving up right But it is through doing things like that, you're diluting your message and actually I'm literally just um, typing up a PowerPoint presentation just now for my membership and for the members in there about niching down. Because, again, another mistake that people think is that, well, I don't want to niche down because I'll sell to anyone, man, woman, alien. You know, I don't really care. Right. Any anybody, any industry, any niche doesn't really matter. But by doing that, you're diluting your message because then you can't get personal you can't really talk about their problems and pain points you can't really like pinpoint and discuss the solution you provide at a personal level you know it's that like you've really got to dig deep and and really get to know your audience as well and and be able to communicate effectively with them from so many different angles but if you don't niche and you don't identify that you're, it just makes the whole thing harder by having a niche it makes your messaging clearer content quicker you grow quicker um, it's just yeah so I would definitely say if you've not nailed down a niche and an ideal customer do it and if you're trying to spend far too many social media platforms get rid of some of them and do one or two really really well
1: tell us about content clarity your baby yes yeah how did you start the business and why did you start the business
0: yeah so I think I kind of mentioned at the start there with the agency business I was very lucky very quickly I hit my income ceiling and kind of got to that point where it's like okay what now do I hire people and actually Mm -hmm. did interview a few people um but again where I'm based hiring people getting the right people is really really difficult it would be easy now because everything's online and digital what with lockdown you know remote working and all that's just perfectly normal but I was kind of like not only am I struggling to find the right person do I really want to manage a team I like doing the stuff like I like creating the content or having the connection with the client I don't want to be too so far removed from it that I'm not doing the marketing I'm just, running the show and puppeteering it that's not what I want out of a business and and so I had never heard (laughs) of coaching and you know selling courses and all I mean I'd obviously seen people sell courses but I never heard of this coaching industry Um, and it was a friend that mentioned it to me and uh, and I looked into it I was like that's perfect because that gives me that sort of ability to be able to get to reach as many people as possible and help as many people as possible um, without having to necessarily hire like a squad of people and be
1: really far removed from it. So Content Clarity was born. <laughs> uh, awesome. There are so many courses on your website um tell us about some of the courses the ones that I saw are content planning uh blogging um passion to passive everything you need to know about building and adding passive income into your business and I've signed up actually for your video basics which is really really good and I just want that one some of the facts that you put some of the stats that you start with in your video, which I was like, oh, okay. Um, you said something like 81% of businesses are using video as a marketing tool. 81%? Yeah, cool. it would probably be higher now because
0: I recorded that 18 months, to uh, two years ago. So it'd be even higher than that now. Because if you think about it, using video is, is so much easier now, especially with TikTok and Reels, that qualifies as video stories that's video and and so it's just so much more accessible before video would have been like oh I have to go and hire a filming crew and a studio (laughs) but now it's just so much easier um to do it and and it's just so much opened up as well for small businesses like you know and what I do in video basics for businesses like just use your phone it's all you need the cameras on phones these days are absolutely amazing and you know use that to its fullest potential first but and once you start growing out of it by all means go and invest more money by which point you'll have seen the value that video has for you but yeah a lot of people give themselves the excuse of John I I can't do video because I don't have the equipment I need to spend thousands and I can't afford to do that yet so I'll just not bother
1: it's you know use your phone grow into it you know And the other stat that I thought was really interesting is six and this I'm definitely in this stat. 65% of people look to YouTube to solve a problem. I mean, my toilet broke the other day and I was, I was on my phone on YouTube. Do Do you know what I mean? Like trying to, trying to work out which part. So I, which part of the toilet was broken so I could then call my dad and say, dad, this part of the toilet is broken or like I I was doing something on the car a couple of months ago and I had no idea what I was doing so I had to again I YouTube you know (laughs) the car battery so I could you know what I mean I was like yeah I mean I go to YouTube for anything I don't understand I, I you know I go to YouTube and then I call my dad (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it is, it's, it's, you know, people think of YouTube as a social media platform, but it's a search engine, right? It's, you know, it's no different to Google. It's no different to Pinterest. It's another one that people confuse as a social platform. It's a search engine. Um, and yeah, YouTube is just great. And this is why it's like, again, with, with um, small businesses, they'll spend so much time on social media content. But social media is fast paced and they'll not spend any time on this sort of search engine content, that long form content like blogging, podcasting and YouTube videos, which are actually there beyond that sort of 24 hours two, three days that you get dependent upon the platform um, for social media. And so, you know, getting, you know, wetting your feet with with video podcasting, you know, it's, it's, it's the scary ones, right? People are like, oh, I don't know how to write or I'm rubbish at spelling and grammar. Oh, I don't like, I don't like my face. I don't like my voice, you know? And so people make excuses, but then it's like, well, if you do those, once they're out there, they're out there, right? People can be reading your blog post years down the line or still finding you on YouTube. And, you know, it's just, you know, and it becomes, when you build it up, becomes automatic because then you're getting traffic and leads to your website without even doing it. Whereas with social media, you have to constantly be showing up and that's quite demanding
1: on yourself. Yeah. I was, again, I was one of those people. I had the idea of this podcast, Messy Around the Edges, for a couple of years, um, but I was just too nervous to start it, you know? Like the fear of, you know, why does I need to be another podcast? Why am I doing it, you know? um, And yeah, one day I just kind of took the plunge and did it. And it's like one of the best things I've ever done for myself firstly but I love the fact that I'm just speaking to so many different people from so many different um, industries and you know I get people that kind of you know email me and go oh my god I didn't know about this and I didn't know about that or I could really relate to that that episode or relate to this episode so that why are you doing it in the first place one of the main premises of the of this podcast really is mm. you know you've told us about becoming a mom and having a family being being made redundant which led you down to the root of creating your own company so taking that all into account when did life get messy for you and how did you kind of start to change your life and pivot to kind of a better life for you and your family
0: yeah so I mean if it hadn't been for redundancy I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even considered starting up my own company and I think when you think about it it's like you pick a job for your life when you're 17, you know, 16, 17, 18. And then you're, that's, that's it. You're stuck on that path. Very rarely do you get that opportunity to reflect and really think about it and be like, do I actually like doing this? So to be fair, although it was messy, it was the best thing. And, you know, if you believe in the universe or fate or whatever you want to call it, like absolutely was, was the best thing for me. And, it's crazy because you know it's like people say they're made redundant and everyone's like oh I'm really sorry to hear that you know and it's like actually <laughs> it's the best thing that ever happened to me right <laughs> and it's uh it's it's crazy my husband was made redundant last year and everyone's like "Oh, through lockdown and don't get me wrong it took him six months to find something but actually comparing the job he has now to the one that he had it's just like absolutely brilliant it's like you know sometimes you know these things happen for a reason and you just kind of have to lean into it and and truly absorb it and um, and obviously even with pivoting my agency and, and coming into coaching that that's even to this day still a little bit messy Yeah. <laughs> but I think having that experience has definitely sort of taught me to to just try things and if, so it's all right if they don't work just try something else and um, it's definitely taught me to just go out there and just why do you want to be stuck doing stuff you hate day in day out you know Sunday night blues Monday morning dreads yeah
1: what and what kind of enjoyment do you get from coaching now what are you going to teach me
0: yeah so I teach uh, small businesses how to sort of look after their content marketing get on the right track whether that is managing it themselves and I always do believe that If you're not going to, if you're going to outsource it because you absolutely detest something, you at least understand what's involved in it first before you just completely outsource it to someone else. Because how otherwise do you know if that person's doing it right for you or not doing it right for you? So I teach people how to do it the right way. Um, Last night, I was teaching a workshop on how to research hashtags. And there was a few people that were like, oh, we've got someone that does their Instagram for us. And they were like on the workshop, they were looking at some of their recent posts and looking at the hashtags the person had put in and going, oh, these aren't relevant. These are like massive, like millions, you know, we're not going to get seen here. Um, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you can't rate how, how that person's performing because you don't understand it. So I always like for people to understand what's involved, so that they can really keep their eye on the ball and also to simplify their businesses as well. Because get their message right, attract people to you rather than you having to go fish for leads. And um, you know, some people like going into the DMs and talking to people, but some people don't like. If you're an introvert like me, ha <laughs> ha no thanks. So if you get your messaging right, get your content right, people are coming to you and people can be coming to you completely automatically through your own content. So you're not having to get involved, right? If you just want to work yourself, let your content do the hard work for you. Simplify your entire business, your offer suite, your messaging, your niche and your content so that, you know, leads and sales and traffic are all doing something. That's what I teach.
1: (laughs) needed right now as well with
0: yeah.
1: so, so many people starting up their bit starting up their own businesses since the, the pandemic and not absolutely but Pamela how do you know that you're creating the right content how much time do you give it for example because one you've got the fear of, of of putting content out there mm-hmm. two you're like what if nobody likes the content do you just need to be patient or do you know if you're putting the right content out there if somebody just automatically if you automatically start growing your audience does it not take time
0: yeah so i mean if you think about things like you know blogging for example for you to get discovered on on google to rank for keywords it's going to take time right that is a long term strategy things like youtube yeah you, it it can shoot off quickly but the reality of it is for most people again it's a long term Strategy and a long-term investment. Things like podcasting as well. If you've already got an audience, right? If you've already got like a big social media following, email list, it can take off quickly. But if you've not and you're starting from zero, again, it can take time. Much and such like any social media platform, right? It can take time. Not only with me, <laughs> but I mean, you have to keep consistent with it. Giving up after one post. It's just not the way you can't micromanage your your content to that effect Where it's like oh i tried that once it didn't work you've got to try it for a good sort of like three months i would say three to six months and um, especially for shorter term content even longer you know if it's, if it's blogging and youtube do it for a good year and to see if it works but again a lot of people get pie-eyed over things like vanity metrics like likes and reach um, but it's actually, it's like, well, but what's that getting you, you know, is that translating into followers on social media? Is it growing your email list? Is it you traffic to your website? Is that actually transforming into leads and sales? Because if you're just getting reached, but you're not getting sales, something's wrong, right? You need okay. to fix it, you know? And it's, uh, it's, it's keeping an eye on all the parts, all the running parts. or the cogs, if you like, of what happens next? Um, because it's great to have reach and it's great to have eyes on your content but if we, if it's not selling you anything that's why we're here at the end of the day right if it's not converting then why are you doing it
1: so it's consistency and not giving Even, up
0: yeah don't give up stay consistent and it's hard someone said to me and I don't know who, who whose quota it is hmm. it's like planting a seed right you don't plant it and then dig it up every day to see if it's sprouted do you <laughs> you plant it that and you'll you, you wait and see right so you kind of have to have that faith just try it for a good sort of like three to six months and see what happens but keep putting it out consistently don't it does suck right it sucks when you get tumbleweed on instagram you put something out maybe it was really personal to you or maybe it took you ages and nobody sees it it could maybe the super bowl was on right like yeah <laughs> maybe like you know Scotland opened up and everybody was at pre-mark that day right it's you just don't know sometimes what happens so for that reason you've got to be consistent and you don't always know where people are at in terms of their buying decision either so you've got to keep showing up so that when they are ready to buy you're front of mind.
1: Talk to me about content burnout let's say there's gonna come a time where I'm just like I don't know what now to, to post about my florist. How yeah. many pictures of flowers can I really put to attract people? <laughs> How many pictures of roses can I put? And, you know, mentally, I suppose when you're in, when you're the individual posting, you're like, oh, does this even interest me? Does it always need to interest you? Kind of think, well, if it interests me, it's gonna interest the, you know, the potential customer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so obviously you need to be
0: passionate about what you do first and foremost right you need to be like absolutely loving the fact that you do flowers but Again, it's not just the post and the flowers. And again, this is another common mistake is people on social media are like, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing with their content. But there's so many different stages that you go through when it comes to making that decision to buy. And there's so much more to it. People are more in tune to the story now. It's like, does that person get up at 6am in the morning to go down to the, the London Borough Market to pick the flowers, hand pick them? You know, it's that attention to detail. It's the is the packaging it comes in, is it recyclable, is it, you know, there's all these little stories behind things as well, it's not just like flowers, 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 but in any business, you will eventually come to a point where you've said everything that can be said, which is the beauty of fast-paced social media, because you can repurpose your content, we always think, it's like, oh, but I've already spoken about that already, people will know, it's like, they're not going to know, right? They're just not because people aren't consuming our content in the order that we put it out in, nor are they consuming all of it. Not even your friends and family and your super fans are going to consume everything you put out there. And it's no different to like, you know, if you have to nag nag, nag your partner to do something at home, maybe you have to say it two or three times or tell your kids something two or three times before they actually do it. Same with marking, right? Sometimes that message has got to go out there a few times before the penny drops. Repurpose your content. This is your permission slip, right? You can put it out there again. You can repeat yourself time and time again.
1: <laughs> How do we get over that fear though? Like, so like for example when you were starting your business and when you go onto your to your website contentclarity.com you're very much the focus like straight away when you go onto your website we know who you are um you've put lots of pictures of yourself and you know you can tell you've got this lovely bubbly personality but what if you're scared to do that like how do you get over that hump of I know I need to put myself out there to sell Mm -hmm. my business, but I don't want to put photos of myself and I don't want to do videos. Like what's the journey to kind of getting over yourself, basically?
0: I have one business that really is focused heavily on me and my agency. Not so much, right? It's just a a name and, you know, I don't really appear on the website kind of thing. It's generic, right? And so there's a complete difference there. Um, But one thing I would say is you've got to do the inner work. This is going to sound a bit woo-woo, but a lot of the time the fear can come from what are people going to think? Right. That is the main thing. What are people going to think? Absolutely. You know? And it's like you you need to do the work to actually stop caring about that. And that's something that I only stopped caring about literally 18 months ago. I read this book, Sarah Knight, um, the magical something or other about not giving a hug. okay <laughs> Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh,
0: literally like someone had flicked a switch for me because it basically said you've got a bank balance of how many f's to give are you really going to give them and waste them you know it's like think of it like a bank balance don't give them away on things that don't matter and people aren't really caring that much really are they about what you're up to
1: know what book you're talking about because I want to put it in the in the show notes the life-changing magic of not giving a f and And she's got she's got
0: a few books and they're all yeah they're all really really good but for me that one was like it was like someone flicked a switch totally changed me (laughs) overnight (laughs) and
1: what was the change
0: i just stopped caring about what people thought you know i stopped you know, like, again, this thing, and it's a marketer's worst nightmare, I guess, in a way, because a lot of what you hope is that people care about what people think. And, you know, it's like, I just, I don't care anymore. I was like, I don't care what people at school get to think. I don't care how many friends I have that, you know, that doesn't really matter to me. What matters to me is the life I have, the lifestyle I have, whether I enjoy it, whether the kids are happy, whether we can afford to do the things that we want to do in our lives that's what matters in this box that's what matters whatever happens outside of that I couldn't give to
1: yeah <laughs> love it so you're right it's the
0: inner work that we start with it is and I, honestly I think you know my very first coach when she was saying things like that like inner work and meditation and all this kind of universe I've oh, gonna sake, what are you talking about you kind of do you kind of have to and I never was a book reader That was the first book that I read since I was probably a teenager really and I am like addicted to reading books now it's just you know and listening to you know binaural beats and guided meditations you know
1: give it at me you know I'll I'll try it you know (laughs) what have I got to lose (laughs) <laughs> absolutely oh wow that's so cool that's so interesting so who would be your dream client I love working with women like
0: I um, I've worked I have had the joy of working with quite a few like high high profile kind of uh, entrepreneurs like Johanna Basford um, who actually is married to one of the, the founders of Brewdog as well so it's like talk about a total power couple but I love, I'm fascinated by working with females and working with um, them to achieve the lifestyle that they want. Cause a lot of the time it's mums and you want to, you you want to help them achieve their dream. That that for me is is where I get my kicks, more so than making money. It's like to see someone actually achieve something, to be able to go on holidays three times a year or go down to a four-day work week or whatever it might be, that is just, you know, anybody who has goals like that for me, it's just like Yes, it's possible, and I can show you how to do it. It's just I I love seeing those kind of transformations, so they can spend time with their kids because you just get one shot at it, don't you? And
1: they grow up so quickly. Oh, Pamela, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. And there's so much more we could talk about within the world of kind of content creation. For anybody that that is listening and would like to kind of get in contact with you um, so you could help them coach them, how can we do that? How can we get in contact with you? And what are some of the coaching um, sessions that you're doing at the moment? So you can go to my website, uh, contentclarity.com, which
0: whenever you're listening to this has always got the most sort of up-to-date recent offer that is out at the moment. Um, And also follow me over on Instagram um, at contentclarity. Right now, I'm really focusing on my membership, my monthly membership, which is the most accessible way to work with me get a taste for how I operate what I can help you do and then obviously you know there's one-to-one coaching group coaching and a mastermind coming as well after the summer holidays to help you step into passive income as well if that's more of what you are looking to do as well thank you so much for
1: joining us thanks for having me all the best and let's stay in touch yes we'll do take care (laughs) Great to talk to Pamela about all things marketing. And remember, you can connect with her via Instagram, which is content clarity. The book that she said helped change her mindset and almost helped her become more proactive and fearless was The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving A by Sarah Knight. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would share with anyone you think would benefit from hearing Pamela's advice on creating content online. I will see you very soon with more episodes from Messy Round the Edges.